It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? If you're not behind Mark Davis after this, and you don't think that Mark Davis has the mind to go all in, now you have to look at the situation differently and what he's doing for you as a fan base to give you hope to win. JT the Brick. That's his job. He's the owner of the team. He's got to have an opportunity to win championships. Mark's told me a hundred times in private settings what a Super Bowl would mean to him personally. And it means more to the fan base for him than it does to him. So Mark went all in. Just win, baby. That's what they got to do. And now, here's JT the Brick. JT, welcome back to hour number two, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, Alumni Weekend, and a game tonight. So we got a busy, busy hour here, a couple of different guests here, and then meet me at the Torch. We'll be there right around 3 o'clock. I think we start at 3.15 for the pregame show along with Eric Allen. We'll be there to get you ready for the Patriots, and then I'll be down on the field for halftime. Looking forward to that. We've got a big halftime with the most alumni ever in one place at one time in Raider history. So make sure you get your cameras out and get ready for halftime. Get your beverage maybe at the two-minute warning and then come back for that. I think you're going to enjoy what the Raiders have lined up there. This hour is brought to you by Resorts World, the newest property on the Strip. And this weekend, starting tonight, they have the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. We had Ray Mercer on yesterday. Rich Murata, the founder of that, has been great putting this big event together. So I'm going to be with the Raiders, and then I'm going to shoot over to hang out with some boxers over at Resorts World. What a weekend we have here, man. I don't know how we do this in Vegas. It's incredible that we have something big going on every weekend. So the Alex Leatherwood story is a big story that we'll be talking about on the pregame show. Who's going to start on the offensive line? Who's playing later on tonight? I have no idea. We'll see what happens as we get closer to kickoff and throw it to Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy. But I still believe final wide receiver, final running back, depth on the offensive line, the secondary, and who, which players are going to really shine in this game and get moved to special teams and have impact plays throughout the course of the year. It's a big game tonight because the Patriots are here and Josh McDaniels is going to want to be buttoned up in front of his mentor, Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time. And Belichick, who calls the practice facility of the Raiders, the Taj Mahal of the NFL, is probably going to be pretty impressed because he's coming back here later in the year for the only Raider primetime game. So we'll get back to that in a little bit. I'm thrilled to welcome in Gilbert Manzano. who kinds, he, Gilbert's interesting. As We're getting him on here for a second. Gilbert used to cover the Chargers. Now he covers the Rams. And he covers boxing. So Gilbert's a good friend, and we we're happy that we were able to get him here as we're going around the league talking about a couple of teams, the Chargers, but most importantly, the Rams, the team he covers now. And Gilbert, thanks for coming on, and uh, wow, another good gig for you after that run with the Chargers. You get to stay in L.A. How's it been covering the Rams? Yeah, uh, nice talking to you again, JT. It is kind of a change. You know, I get to stay in Los Angeles, but... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of culture and mood, you know, going from uh, Costa Mesa where the Chargers are to uh, Thousand Oaks where, where the Rams are, uh, winning the Super Bowl. So it, it's kind of that funny transition where, like, you know, they're happy, they're excited, you know, they're, they're done popping bottles for the Super Bowl, but now you have to kind of, you know, get your mindset right and, and do it all over again. And when you have a guy like Aaron Donald who, who just sets the tone out there, like the other day he was ripping, out, ripping off helmets in practice, uh, that just kind of tells everybody, okay, if Aaron Donald's turning the work in practice, you have to do it too and uh, repeat as champion. 
Well, I'll tell you, Gilbert, I was just at the Hall of Fame, as you know, and there were a lot of legendary defensive players that were there. And Aaron Donald's name comes up with the all-time greats on the top five players, four players, Mount Rushmore of all time. Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, Deacon Jones, or Ronnie Lott, Dion's name pops up. A lot of people are saying the only one you can put in this modern era with all those guys is Aaron Donald. We're watching one of the greatest players in any era of all time still in the prime of his career. He's that special, right? Yeah, you know, the, the kind of the, the, the downside of being an NFLB reporter, you, you kind of focus on, on one team. And you, you hear the stories about the, what Aaron Donald's doing, and then you, you see the highlights, okay, this guy's a game record. And now I get to watch it on the daily, and he's destroying practices out there. And, and it's frustrating for Sean McVay at times because, you know, he wants the offense to get going. He wants Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup to get the reps, but he's always destroying things in the trenches. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of part of it, too, why the defense has played much better than the offense in training camp, and Sean McVay's always pretty frustrated about that. But, yeah, you see it in practices, you, you see it in the games. Uh, and, and, and the crazy part, when you have an Aaron Donald, and, and people are very worried about the Von Miller departure and how are you going to fill that mm-hmm. void. And they're, they're, they're pretty thin there on, on as pass rushers. But when you have Aaron Donald taking double teams, triple teams, and it just makes life easier for everybody, not just the, the front seven, but even the back end. Uh, so, yes, you know, they to see it every day and see one of the best. And, and, and I never thought he was going to retire either. And I was still covering the Chargers during that period. Uh, but for a guy to get paid again and get paid like a quarterback and then still have that work ethic every single day mm-hmm. in training camp in the middle of August when, you know, you're pretty much a Hall of Famer. You won the Super Bowl and you just got paid. So I think having that type of player every single day, it really helps the rest of the players on the Rams to, to, to have that mindset and try to repeat. And, and as you know, JT hasn't been done in the NFL since the Patriots. So uh, I think just having Aaron Donald's presence and, and command uh, just helps out everybody on that roster to potentially, you know, go, go, go back to back for the first time in, in, in 17 years. Yep. Gilbert Manzano joins us. He covers the beat for the Rams. What about Stafford in the elbow? And as he's working through the elbow and getting in reps, I know I heard a soundbite a few days ago from Sean McVay he seems to be pretty happy with the progress there, but McVay doesn't play the quarterback in preseason games anyway. And I haven't paid that close attention. Is he shutting down the entire offense or most of the offense, or it's just clearly Stafford he wants to protect? You know, it, it, it was kind of a, a non-story that just picked up a lot of steam. You know, uh, I, I think Sean McVay didn't do any favors for himself when he called the, the arm soreness, you know, abnormal, that it's, a, mm-hmm. it's an injury that only baseball players deal with and they don't do it in the NFL. Uh, and I think he said words like, we're learning on the fly. We don't really know what we're dealing with. And then you ask Stafford about it. And he's like, you know what? It's just arm soreness. You know, I'm 34 years old. I'm 14 years in the league. All I wanted was some rest. So he got the two weeks rest, and he's been at, at practice fully the last, you know, week or two. Uh, and the biggest telling sign was, I think, last week on Tuesday, they had an inter- inter-squad scrimmage. He threw 75 mm-hmm. passes, and he looked great in that, that scrimmage, you know, going against Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and pretty much a full first-team defense. Uh, now, the key thing was the next day. How does it feel the next day when, when you're throwing 75 passes? Uh, and we spoke to him. I, I don't know if it was by design to let them you didn't know that he's okay. Uh, but he spoke to us the day after, and he said he felt fine. The arm was okay. Um, so, overall, to me, Matthew Stafford looks like Matthew Stafford. He looks like a guy who just won the Super Bowl. Uh, but I think the whole kind of, you know, talk about arm soreness was a little, you know, blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. But so far from what I've seen, he looks okay. But it's just obvious uh, <laughs> right now, J.P. 
Yeah, Gilbert Manzano joins us. He covers the Rams beat. He's a boxing insider for the OC Register. And I, I'm looking at the depth chart here in the wide receiver position. Cooper Cup had a Hall of Fame, the triple crown year. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. He's got to do it over a number of years. But that that season might stay in the Hall of Fame as the greatest season. I don't know. It could be years. It could be a decade. I don't know how you do that unless it's the perfect storm. Anyone a Super Bowl. Allen Robinson is a hell of a big target and a good player. And tell me about the emergence of Lance McCutcheon there. How deep are the Rams at the wide receiver and the positions on the outside? Yeah, uh, that tells you a lot. When, when I'm on your show and you're, and you're talking about an undrafted rookie wide, wide receiver making noise in the preseason. So Lance McCutcheon's been doing well. Uh, you know, honestly, this is my rookie mistake as a beat reporter for the Rams. You know, when I saw McCutcheon, you know, with the third string quarterback and Bryce Perkins, I, I saw some plays where I'm like, it's the third string, you know, or third team unit, you know, they have Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, Ben Skoranek, and he was like eighth on the depth chart, I guess, in my book. And then he's just making plays after plays. Uh, he had that nice move on Derek Finley Jr., the third overall mm-hmm. pick in the draft, you know, from Houston. Uh, and he just keeps making plays. And now it's getting to a point where, where the Rams are seriously thinking about keeping eight wide receivers. They don't want to lose this guy on waivers. So uh, I, w- I won't say he's a real deal just yet, but the talent is there and the flashes are there. But it's just hard to crack this rotation, when, like you mentioned, what Cooper Cup just did and just added Al Robinson. So, you know, I'll go off with, with those two. That, that one-two punch is definitely one of the best in the NFL, and Allen Robinson is definitely worth the hype. Uh, and – you know, watching him every day in practice in training camp, he's such a physical receiver, you know, sturdy hands. And it's, and, and the way it's kind of a shame he got lost in Chicago and Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and now he's getting to do it in L.A. with Sean McVay. So Adam Robinson, Cooper Cup is a great one-two punch. And and now I, I, maybe I wouldn't be surprised if last McCutcheon cracked maybe that top three, four. I know Van Jefferson yeah. is dealing with the injury. Uh, but they also have a lot of, you know, upside. On, they feel they have upside to Trout. Well, uh, number, number second round pick last year, so it's going to be tough for McCutcheon. If he makes plays on special teams, then definitely you can't deny the guy uh, to at least you know crack that rotation. Hey, Gilbert, as we wrap this up, the Battle of L.A. Uh, you're the best guy for me to talk to about it. You just covered the Chargers, now you're covering the Rams, and you know, I think the Chargers are coming. The team is loaded. Derwin James signed, and you bring in Khalil Mack, one of my favorite players, Mister Interception, and J.C. Jackson, but. The Rams won that Super Bowl before the Chargers. So a lot of fans that might have been on the fence in L.A. as both those teams are playing in Inglewood in the same stadium might have gravitated to the Rams because they won a championship and it's easier to get on the bandwagon that way. What's it like seeing the business side of those two franchises up close and the advantage that the Rams have going forward, even though the Chargers roster might be just as good? Yeah, you know, it's funny kind of seeing both sides of it as a you know, fight for LA rivalry, and, and each side says, you know, they're, they're doing this better, and they're saying they're doing that better. But the reality is, both teams have a lot of work to do in Los Angeles, as you know, JT. It's a uh, it's Laker town, Dodger town, and then you better be winning consistently uh, to make some noise and get headlines in LA. Uh, you know, obviously USC football, USC football, if they're doing well, they always free. They're, they're number three in that, that rotation. But uh, you know, it, it's a big, it's a huge start for the Rams to win the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but. When you're gone for 25 years, a lot of you know fans in LA gravitate to other teams. That's why when the 49ers come to SoFi, it's heavy 49ers, or when the Cowboys mm-hmm. play the Chargers, it's heavy Cowboys because you know this generation grew up with different teams. So it's going to take time. You, you know, you you do feel it. You know, the, the, there's definitely more of an advantage for the Rams for winning the Super Bowl and having that history for such a long time before St. Louis. 
the, the Chargers are playing catch up, but it definitely helps to have a generation of talent in, in Justin Herbert, the quarterback. So, you know, they're going all in with Khalil Mack, you know, JC Jackson, Der- Derwin James. Uh, they're, they're making steps in the right right direction, but it's, it's just still, I think, too soon to kind of get that taste out of your mouth where, like, they're from San Diego and they're that rival team. Uh, so, you know, both sides definitely have a lot of work to do, but you do feel that sense when when I was at Irvine for training camp and every day, mm-hmm. you know, there was about, you know, 10,000, 15,000 people daily, I think. Uh, I know the Rams estimated 100,000 people for the total kind of training camp. It's a little kind of out there. Uh, but you do feel the excitement and you feel that it's crowded every single day. And I'm sure for the Chargers it was too. It's not as the biggest venue for training camp, but it was pretty packed too. Uh, and I think both sides are making strides, but it's definitely still an advantage for the Rams. But when you look at the whole picture, it's a lot of work, especially in a weird kind of market in L.A. You know, the first three out of four games for the Rams, home against Buffalo, what a marquee game that is. First game of the year, Thursday night, the 8th. Then they're home against Atlanta. I think they should win that game. Atlanta's not very good. But at Arizona, at San Francisco, then Dallas comes in. So I'll add Dallas on. The first four out of five games, a really tough test. But to get Buffalo in that home opener, as they win the Super Bowl, they have their rings, there'll be some type of celebration. I don't think the Bills deserve that. The Bills almost beat Kansas City. They lost on that (laughs) wild 13 seconds. And what do they do to the Bills? They send them out to the Rams for their home opener there. That feels like a Super Bowl. I had Buffalo in the Super Bowl last year. I'm probably good with picking them to go again. That might be the best matchup of the year, and it's the opening Thursday night. Yeah, I know it kind of just feels like it's, it's too good to be a season opener. Like oh. you want to stay there for maybe a Super Bowl, and it's just it's just too much is going to be determined too early, and and you know these teams are going to be so different come December, so it just doesn't feel right. Uh, but but I'll say this for the Rams side, you know, it is a, a gauntlet kind of schedule to start, like the teams that you mentioned. The only good thing is like they're not really traveling far uh, for the the first month. They have that San Francisco and they have Arizona, so that those are easy kind of road trips there. But to play Buffalo and and especially a team with Josh Allen who, and the Bills who just lost because of the coin flip, like you know they're hungry to try to get a win and they get that bad taste out of their mouth. And, and, and they might be the most talented team on paper, at least. Obviously, you know, paper rosters don't mean anything come the season, but uh, they also got Vaughn Miller, so that's going to be a nice little headline there. So uh, for, for yeah. the Rams, you know, it's going to be a tough game. But, and especially with, with a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, pressure of, of, you know, being the Super Bowl champions and a ring ceremony. I don't even know. I don't know if they're going to have a banner or so far. Who knows? Uh, but it's going to be a lot of, you know, you know, celebrating and patting yourself on the back. And then you have to go play Josh Allen. Uh, that's going to be tough for them. Uh, and then maybe the Falcons game should be a little easier for them. Uh, but then to go yeah. back to back on the division rivals, uh, the Cardinals, which I'm, I still don't know too much about them. I feel like they might, you know, that that playoff season was a little fluky, yeah. but we'll see with them and Kyler Murray uh, and the 49ers. All I keep reading about, you know, seeing, at least on Twitter or seeing some reports, is that Trey Lance has been doing uh, good work out there. So this could be a pretty, uh, you know, reignited rivalry between the 49ers and yes. the Rams. And, uh, and overall, I think the NFC West should be, should be pretty interesting. I know that the Seahawks kind of fell down a little bit, but overall, I think the mm-hmm. 49ers and the Rams should make it interesting at least. It's a great rivalry, really. The Niner fans prove that when they come to L.A. That's a good rivalry, and Arizona uh, loves to be a part of that rivalry. But the first game, September 8th, Thursday night football on NBC, Buffalo at the Rams. Gilbert Manzano covers the Rams beat. Appreciate it, my friend. I'll talk to you often before that. Thanks so much. Thank you, JT. Appreciate the time, as always. Appreciate Gilbert coming on here, man. Guy's got more jobs than me. God, he's bounced around in a good way. He covered the Raiders. 
the Chargers, and now the world champion Rams. And we appreciate him on uh, that Thursday night game later in the year at the Rams is a monster. Wow. Raiders at the Rams, SoFi, with the Raiders open up at SoFi. So they're going to get used to that property, playing there a few times. Thanks again to Gilbert for joining us. Uh, Coming up, my conversation with Bill Krakenberger, America's favorite sports gambler. You know, I'm doing the podcast over at Virgin Hotels, and I do that one Friday a month. And this was such a good conversation. I want you to hear it. He's the most successful sports gambler I know couple of do's and don'ts with the preseason as we wrap it up and get ready for the regular season. Crack wins on deck as we continue. Brought to you by Grimaldi's, the best pizza I've ever had. Yeah, joint joint prices. Um, people show they, they show more stuff. You know, it's not as vanilla. Um, you know, for everyone to see. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I think that's something I've always loved about it. Um, and, and when you when you practice against you know two coaches that know each other too. I mean, the guys are keeping each other safe. All that kind of stuff. So you're getting full speed to impact. You know, and so you, you know who won the rep and who you know all that kind of stuff. But I just I just love the the different looks you get. It's a different defense. It's a different. Uh, you know, philosophy, all those, all those kind of things. Situations come up, and uh, you know, I think that you can get a, a lot accomplished rather than just you know, 14 or 15, you know, snaps in a preseason game. JT, back with you as we continue game day here in Las Vegas, Allegiant Stadium, coming up tonight as the Patriots are in town. We're brought to you by Virgin Hotels where I produce a podcast for them once a month on a Friday. We've knocked out two. And on my last podcast with head coach Marcus Arroyo, head coach of UNLV, we had Richard Bosworth, who's the president of Virgin Hotels, and my good friend Bill Krakenberger, America's favorite sports gambler, on what to do and not to do as a sports better heading into the season. Right now, my good friend, America's favorite sports gambler, Bill Krakenberger. Crack, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. It's really, really nice to, uh, that you have me. You had thought of me out of all the people you have on your show. And uh, I, I really appreciate you, like I'm saying, thinking of me. It's a, it's an honor just to be mentioned in these guys' uh, names here. Well, I wanted, to, I, yeah, I wanted to have you because the sports angle. I'm, I'm spending a lot of time talking about the property, which we'll get to because this is property, this podcast of Virgin Hotels. But what's interesting for you is this time of year with preseason football, something lights up with you because you have an advantage you know you have an advantage it's not the regular season yet how is this preseason going so far and what trends have you seen as we're still trying to figure out who's going to play or not yeah um preseason football listen if anyone that can't beat preseason football should not be a handicapper i'm not just saying that because um i had a good first week i said that before last week even started um, I think I, I was. I'm so far. I'm five and one for my crack wins, guys. Now I couldn't make a statement like that unless I was, because they come after me on Twitter. Uh, listen, it's all about three or four different things. Uh, I've mentioned it before on, on, on other programs, and sometimes they don't grasp what I mean. It's really about knowing the the how many series the, the starting quarterback is going to play. You want to know, or of course, maybe they won't even play the first two weeks. They, they're not going yeah. to play normally. Um, but sometimes they, they, they'll throw a, a set in there or two. You know, we've seen last night's game, perfect example. A couple of the guys that were on last night, a couple of those starters, 
they were really upset they only played one, three, three downs and out. They were really upset, a couple of the Seattle guys. But it, they don't want, you can't get hurt in, in week two preseason, so I understand it too. But you have to know really what quarterbacks are going to be in there playing, how long are they going to play, what's going to happen in the second half, who's really going to play in the first half. Just look at some of these lines. You'll see it's not unusual to see a game minus three for the game, minus three and a half first half. The first half line is bigger than the actual game. I've seen it this morning. So they, because there's going to be the information's out there. There's starters that are out that, that are going to play only in the first half. They're not going to play in the second half. Second half's a crapshoot. You have to know that. You have to know. What, so tell me when the final line is out there and when you like to pounce. You like to pounce whenever you have great information oh yeah. and you see a line. But what's it like with preseason line movement? How volatile is it? It's it this year. It's unbelievable. I can get my phone out and actually show you. It's it's so so scary now. I'm going to show you right here. As as you'll now this is this is just my this was just my app here and and you'll see. I mean, literally, you could pick almost any game here. Uh, that that this is my app actually. So here, Baltimore, Arizona under 42, 38, 38 and a half now. Uh, I can go anyone. Cleveland, Philadelphia, 41, it's 38 also. Falcons pick them. The line was like, I don't know what it is now, but it was like three. The idea is you have to get ahead of the curve, on, especially on these line moves, especially on the games around one or two if you're picking a side. It's funny, I won't give out any sides during a regular season. Almost unbeatable in NFL. And a lot of guys that sell games get mad at me and say, crack. Why would you tell people that all the money where you're missing out? By you shouldn't tell them you're, that, that you don't that, that you don't think NFL's beatable. Listen, it's the hardest thing to beat is NFL sides followed closely by NBA sides. You could be totals, you could be props, you could be correlated parlays, first half correlated parlays, basic strategy teasers. Um, I was just in Atlantic City where I found some teasers that they were going to put up for the season, three team six point teasers, and that's getting back a dollar seventy five. Every 100, you get back 175. Mathematically, that's just basic strategy. You don't have to know nothing. You don't have to know anything at all. Just know that you could take these six-point teasers and go through the key numbers of seven and three and put them put three of those teams together, and you can definitely make money by the end of the year if you keep on that doing that. So it's knowing all those little things, little skill sets like that. Um, you know, it, it, it all equals up to a lot. But as far as NFL sides go, I won't bet them during the season, but I'll bet them now because now is the time to pounce on, on, on preseason football. So, crack with the limits that you can bet on preseason compared to the regular season and the way casinos treat you when they know you're coming and you're trying to spread out your wealth around a bunch of different states now, how do you pick and choose? I mean, do you go all in on games? What is your discipline like in the preseason knowing you have a better advantage than the regular season? I try to bet as much as I can. I, I really do. Like, I, I think I, if I just had, I, I literally, like, I just, I just walked in from Caesars from, from a sports book here in town. And I said, how much you guys want to take on teasers? They take 36, 3,000 on teasers. Teasers this time of the year? <laughs> First of all, try to find a book that takes teasers. Caesars does. Uh, there's a couple sports books that, that will. Most of them won't. They charge $1.20, laying 6 to 5 on teasers here. Uh, there's other sports books in town. One of the bigger ones, one of the sharper ones, they won't even take them. Circle will not take a teaser in the NFL right now in preseason. I found one that did. I think it's a weakness. I think I exploited it for as much as I could. Um, now, what do you mean by as much as you could? I'm going to explain what that means, too. Uh, these lines are tighter. You guys all know that these lines are lined a little bit lower. You see, the first week, the average line was 33. By the way, obviously too low. All the overs came out. 
They over, they had over-adjusted them for week two. Now they're, they added eight points to every single total. The average point was the average team was 42 this week. Under was the right way to go. Under was really the right way to go on a lot of the, on a lot of these bets. And um, so what I'm trying to say is it's a lower. These are lower scoring games than regular season. Therefore, the teasers, when you're adding six, seven points to a teaser, is worth so much more now than it is regular season. So basic strategy teaser. I mean, here, Pittsburgh Steelers, plus two and a half. I took them to eight and a half. Right through the three, through the seven. Colts, plus three, went through the three, went through the seven to nine. These are basic strategy teasers. You almost don't even have to know uh, who's playing or anything. You just know what, that you're getting a lot more points than you should get uh, and, and the, because of the, the totals are so low. Bill Krakenberger joins us, America's favorite sports gambler. So how does the preseason affect your handle? And when you look at what your bankroll looks like, and you have a big bankroll because I'll get to this in a bit. I actually see your tickets. I know what you do. Other people, I don't know what they do. They claim they do this or that. How are you building up your bankroll now, or does, does it not affect it? Uh, you know, I'm the same humble guy that I've always been, so <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to really uh, – I'll just tell you, I don't bet – there's no way. I don't bet – even though I preach betting a percentage of your bankroll, so if you have if you have $10,000 or let's say $1,000, let's, let's do a real number. You have 1000 bucks. your real maximum bet should be like $30. If you're looking to build a bankroll, 2-3% of your bankroll is the most you should be betting. Uh, I don't even do that no more because I have an adequate bankroll that I don't even know. Uh, it's not. It's not my. These bets aren't two percent of my bankroll. That's for sure. Because I, that's why I try to get down as much as I can. I mean, um, but I do recommend someone that's taking it serious to bet a percentage of their bankroll. But I know people on the East Coast where, where I'm from. Every, you got a thousand bucks. You're going to the sports book. You're betting three hundred a game on three games. That's it. The whole thing's going in action. I don't think I've ever asked you this. How sure. many people who gamble? on sports take it seriously uh percentage wise everyone thinks they do Uh, i'm gonna think it's uh, you're gonna you wouldn't believe it. it's probably higher than we even think people think they're they're more of a serious gambler than they are people think that they're they go in there with the intent to win especially east coast guys that's born and bred and and are it's it's instilled in us since was since birth they're going in there with the intent to win with being a very serious gambler so uh, it, it, it's probably more than you think. I'm d- just to show you again. Now, this is my DraftKings, Bill Crack. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's my balance now. But, I mean, wow. if you look at this, open bets, you would be shocked how many open bets there are. You could scroll till the cows come home. How many bets I have pending already. It's like, oh, Yeah, you're scrolling. You're not half, stopping. Half a million dollars I have pending. Just pending on, on bets. It's just all advantage, 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 everything thrown out. And, and, and the reason why I'm saying this is I started this whole thing, JT, with that $1,000. Yeah. 1993 it was, 92, 93, I had 1000 bucks. I sent 500 bucks to two offshore sports books, doubled my bankroll, 1000 and a 1000 and, and literally have not looked back. I, I, I don't even know what I've made. This is incredible. Yeah. So we've talked about this on all my other platforms that I believe this is the wild, wild west with gambling. Sports books, legalization, media, television, radio, and the worst part of it is social media. I think social media has been taken over as we talk about the charlatans and anybody who, if you're lucky to have a blue check mark, congratulations. If you don't, there are a lot of people giving out information, and they're trying to rope people in. How does the average sports better find someone like you 
and it might not be you, that they're comfortable with, that they can go through the highs and lows and feel like they can stay with that person giving them advice. Man, I tell you, it's, it's the most unbelievable subject matter in, in, in sports, not even sports gambling. It's every single thing you look at today. I, the, the game last night, I'm, I flicked it on for a little bit at the end of the game. I tweeted out about it. Everyone's talking about sports betting now. There was an old lady in the stands rooting and, and screaming at the refs because she had the under and the, the over in the game. I mean, everyone's talking sports betting now. So that means there's so many of these people out there, these snake oil salesmen, let's call them what they are, all over these social media platforms. And, and uh, you know what? A lot of them have blue check marks even. You, you bring up a good point. They have blue check marks. So it, it's, it's a scary thing when I see someone with a blue check mark giving out information that I know is total BS, and I see it all the time. Yeah, my best friend Todd is here, oh, and he likes I to gamble. He likes to all gamble right. on college football. He's really sharp. So take our audience behind what's going on with the difference between a gambler who wants to specialize in the NBA, Major League Baseball, college football, or the NFL. How do they stick with specialization, and how do they get loose, and how do they lose their di- discipline and jump into other sports because they see a game they love? The only sharp guys I know that are sharp in one thing and think they're sharp. and the, One of the top basketball handicappers of all time. He worked for Mr. Walters for a year. Mr. Walters is Billy Walters. If people don't yeah. know, he's one of the sharp syndicate groups out there for, for many decades. This guy was one of his handicappers, one of the sharpest guys in the world, one of the most beautiful minds, would continually lose his money that he made in college basketball and tennis and baseball, which he didn't have a clue, but he thought he did. And you're right. It's hard to, it's hard to actually uh, specialize in so many different things. If I had to choose something now after last year's NFL season, uh, again, I don't, I don't bet no NFL sides. I'm very rare I'll bet an NFL side. But I killed them on correlated first-half parlays. I killed them on teasers. Uh, absolutely destroyed them on props. Uh, Tell me about the props. How'd you, how'd you get so over under over under on team over under on, on player props? Everyone loves fantasy football. Every, that's all they talk about now is player props. So every single sports book I know, especially these ones back east, the reason why I go back to Jersey, even though I live here, I go back there because these sports books, DraftKings, FanDuel's, uh, MGM's, they all offer player props. And on every game, they're offering 20, 30, 40, 50 player props. They can't get all the lines right on a Sunday if they're offering every. By the way, they don't yeah. just do the primetime games. They do all the games, 13, 14 games, 50 props a game. It's impossible for them to get it all right. Crack, as we wrap this up, what have you learned over the last couple of years? Because a lot of our listeners, they don't understand what it's like to be in a sharp casino like the Westgate or at Caesars, as you talked about, and then they just want to get on their app and look at FanDuel, and they want to look at DraftKings. What's the difference between the typical book on your app or going into a sports book where they know you, you know them, sitting there watching the lines, waiting for a movement, maybe going across town quickly to place a bet in another shop because you know you have an advantage there? What's changed in the last couple of years? Well, you know, it is good to know the people. Like, perfect example, the Caesars bets that you see here at 30, I bet 3000 on Caesars. I don't know if anyone would have taken these at other sports books because they know me there. I'm an established player there, by the way. And, and I don't mean just mean sports book player. I'm an established player in a casino. They know me there. Um, there's pros and cons of both coasts here. Uh, I call Vegas the coast. There's pros and cons of betting. Here in town, I do know some management here. I can walk into the win. The other day I walked into the win, and I bet under 52.5 on the first week um, primetime game, Dallas and Tampa Bay. I told the manager behind the counter, I said, listen, you guys have the best line in town. You're 52 and a half. 
How much can I bet? Can I bet 3000 It's not going to move now, but it will move tomorrow. Sure enough, it moved to 15 and a half the next day. And Doug Castaneda down there, nicely enough, he gave me 3000 bucks on it. That relationship, I don't have them in Jersey. I have app relationships in Jersey where it's 85% of the betting is done on apps in New Jersey. I wish I had those personal relationships where I could get down more. So it's interesting you bring that subject up. Last one. I think this is one of your great strengths. You don't drink. You've never done drugs. You like to go to a great restaurant. When you walk into a property, we'll use Virgin Hotels, for example, or other ones. We'll keep them off. When you're looking for some type of deal when you, look, when you walk in, if you're signing up for rewards, if you're looking for something, what can the common gambler think when they come to a brand-new property? You walk into Resorts World, you walk into Virgin, you walk into this brand-new Fountain Blue down the road. What are you looking for for an advantage? And take advantage of a new property. Yeah, you know, I, I always recommend, even like my wife, I was telling her, you know, don't sign up for a card at this place. And she's like, okay, why? The reason why is because they may have a deal one day. You sign up, you get $100 or $500. So I don't let her sign up for cards unless they have deals. Now, this place originally had deals back in the day. Um, you know, you, 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 you don't want to, I don't gamble to gamble. If I'm gambling on something, I'm walking in to gamble, I'm looking for a deal. Now, granted, I used to not, I was a sucker for years. I was a dead stone cold dice loser back in the 80s and 90s. I was a loser like everyone else. I just, uh, I like to consider myself an advantage player now. When I have friends that come to town, they want to go out and shoot craps for 100 bucks, 200 bucks. It's hard for me to even do that, and trust me, it means nothing to me. But um, I, I do like to go out to eat every night, and nothing, everyone, my, my wife drinks. I'm nothing against drinking. I just have to get up every single morning with a clear head. Yeah. I'm betting sports year-round. I can't have anything that's going to influence me or nothing, but I will be honest with you. Tomorrow night, I'm going to an, I'm a music guy. I'm going to an Australian Pink Floyd show, which I've seen them four times here the first time. And when I was friends with the CEO at the time here, and I knew what they paid him, like, you paid this I got to go see them. They were unbelievable. They're supposed to be amazing. They were un- I've seen them four times. They're- they blew me away. Roger Waters, David Gilmore, both have used this band that's been around 35 years themselves. So um, tomorrow night, I'm even like thinking of maybe like <laughs> partaking in something. I don't know what. I don't even. I'm such a nerd. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but anyway, this guy's great. Todd English, my friend, my, my buddy Todd English runs a restaurant here, Olives. And uh, he, he's great. I, I had dinner with him uh, a couple weeks ago. Great guy. I love him. Last question, really important to me. You know, I have a 21-year-old son and a 19-year-old son. And all of the guys in the fraternity house and everybody, if they're not looking at girls and having fun and drinking, gambling. they're gambling. I know. And I'm worried about it. Not for my kids. They're not in that because I've never gambled, which is quite amazing i've never placed a bet yeah and i encourage everybody to bet because it makes everybody a smarter sports fan what should the parents and people look for what's the thing the trait where you go oh man he's having fun he's at the barbecue he's talking about he bet 10 bucks on the knicks and then all of a sudden you hear that story again and again and the story changes what are some of those bullet points we should look forward to to watch these parents so they know what they're looking i I just wish the listeners knew what's going on here i did this week i did two shows this morning I did two shows yesterday. I did a show on Monday. No one asked those kind of things. That's responsible gaming to me, and that's, that, that shows who you are and who your character is. You have kids. You realize what's going on in life. And uh, let me tell you, you'll be shocked. I'm going to tell you this now, too. If I had kids, I wouldn't even want them being in this gambling world. Even though I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an educated gambler, I've made millions and millions of dollars, doesn't matter. I wouldn't want them being in this world around this with their friends and stuff. Uh, it, it, listen, it, 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 I grew up. I grew up in the back east. I grew up in the Bronx and the Jersey Shore. We had 
We had literally lotteries, casinos, racetracks, uh, girls, uh, drinking, drugs. So many. It was vice central. Now they threw sports betting in the mix. Now these fraternities and these college kids, everyone thinks, ah, I could bet 10 bucks here and 20 bucks here. I'm telling you, we're going to see a giant fallout. Not now, not mm-hmm. a year from now, two years. Five, ten years from now, we're going to see a giant fallout where it's in all these kids' face. Every park you go to, every ballpark, there's all ads for all these different sports books. Sooner or later, and it's not just going to be those kids that, that turn 25, 26 and get themselves in trouble. It's going to be lawyers, doctors, business people. Uh, responsible gambling should be pushed more. It is in New Jersey, and uh, I- I'm all for that. I'm, I'm, I'm for pushing that. Plug your app. Plug your website. Tell everybody how they can find if you. If you didn't say it, I wouldn't even have said it. You can find me on Twitter, at, at, at Bill Crackman with a K. Uh, crackwins.com and a Crackwins app also is my, uh, my site. And, uh, again, we started out 5-1 and one preseason. Gave out so many games this week, all sick moves, and and look look forward to more of these this week. And also, you know, our, my NFL season last year. I'm not going to give the percentage because it's unbelievable. But uh, I'm I'm sure we're going to do the same things this year. It's going to be props and stuff. People really enjoy. Come join us. Thanks, my friend. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. You got it. Appreciate Crack Wins joining us. Bill's really good. I offered to take him out to dinner after that. He said nope. I got to go play some bets. He was dead serious. He was leaving to go to another property and then another property to go keep an eye on the moving number. We'll have him on every couple of weeks throughout the course of the season. When we come back, college football kicks off this weekend. Who you betting on? What you thinking about? We're thinking about the Raiders tonight against the Patriots. Come see me at the Torch for the pregame show with Eric Allen in a little bit right here on the flagship Raider Nation Radio. Jermaine is, you know, uh, Jermaine's been out there every day and battling. And we played him at multiple spots, which, again, the more you can do, the more value you might provide. You know, he knows that. Uh, so he's played a guard, tackle both sides, um, which is is a unique skill, you know, for Jermaine and, and uh, really been a dependable guy. Um, you know, like I said, gives great effort out there every day. Um, you know, puts him, puts him he's put himself in a position here to really factor, you know, on our team and, and play. So... Um, you know, excited for what he's what he's been able to do, and um, the other other guys, like I said, they're just working through their stuff. Same thing as the other guys are. Our list is not long. We're 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 fortunate right now. Um, hopeful, like I said, I don't want to put a time frame on anybody because I don't really know, uh, but I know they're working extremely hard to get back here as soon as possible, and hopefully that will be sooner rather than later. All right, JT, back with you as we wrap it up here and get you ready for the game coming up. A pregame show from the torch. Uh, come on down and see me at the Torch. I know Q's got a big show lined up today. I was able to hear Vinny and Heidi and Clay earlier today with Tim Brown. Good to hear Timmy on the radio this morning. As I was driving back from the Delano. Yes, I spent last night at the Delano as we've been talking about this Raider alumni reunion last night, which was magical, cool, really unique to see that many guys and their significant others or if they were there by themselves, 200-plus guys in one room on top of the Delano looking out at the entire city. Really, the Delano looks right at the stadium. And their Sky Lounge, whatever it's called at the top, was just spectacular last night with the weather and the view. So we had a great time last night. It was really cool, cool stories that we'll be talking about. And again, everybody get excited about this game today because as Mark Davis says, this organization's about their alumni. And today, halftime, there'll be more alumni on the field than at any time 
in Raider history, and they're former players, so that'll be the most players, I think, ever on a football field. I do not recall, and I could be wrong, I do not recall at any time in NFL history that 230 or 40 players, whatever the number finally is going to be, have ever been on a field at once. They've had reunions, they've had Super Bowl reunions, the greatest 100 players of all time, and there's a couple of those guys who are going to be down there on the field today, but this is going to be really special. So as I was driving back from the Delano to the studio today, this morning I was listening to the morning show after Timmy, and they were having a good conversation about final cutdowns. And I got to tell you, it's been one of the more intriguing conversations now because, as we've mentioned, Alex Leatherwood is really taking a hit on national media. And the national media usually doesn't pay attention to an offensive right tackle, but now they are. And I opened up The Athletic today, and The Athletic did a really deep dive on Alex Leatherwood, which I don't think is a good sign because of the way this column was constructed. By Ted Gwynn, he brought in a really good guy who has unbelievable experience, uh, Mitchell Swartz. He looked at Leatherwood, and the four-time Pro Bowl tackle was a part of this column. So what they did at The Athletic is they brought in an expert, a four-time Pro Bowl tackle, to break down the film of Leatherwood, and it was pretty ugly. He went frame by frame. If you have a subscription to The Athletic, you can see this, but you know they printed out, put up here, digitally shot a Leatherwood getting bull rushed. He has a three technique, <coughs> excuse me, and he lined up inside, and all the mistakes that he had, I mean, they just went frame by frame. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm scrolling through it now, and there's got to be at least nine or ten pictures here that were taken from a video about how Alex Leatherwood was out of position. His technique isn't good. Good. Mitchell Swartz said, quote, on this clip, it looks like he tried using his hands already earlier, and it hasn't worked. So now he's scared to use them. In general, late in the block, it's hard to keep your feet moving when your weight is too far in front of you. So this is very technical analysis. And Mitchell Swartz said in his conclusion that Alex Leatherwood has physical ability that you can't teach. But the problem is with his punch, which was evident in college, they weren't corrected in his rookie year, and now he's working with a third offensive line coach in three years, including college, so he could be learning new techniques while trying to correct old ones. That's the major issue. He looks like he's playing without much confidence, which we've talked about on the show. And there were snaps against the Dolphins where he couldn't even get off the ball in time. He writes, as bad as it looks, there's still hope that he can have a light bulb moment and rebuild his confidence. The best thing for Leatherwood might be to take a back seat and continue to refine his technique so he's not reinforcing bad habits in live action. Otherwise, there could be a snowball effect that impacts everything that he's doing. So I was just surprised that this column came out today in The Athletic, and we've been talking about Leatherwood, and we're going to spend time, Eric Allen on the pregame show, talking about Leatherwood because now he becomes one of those players who's going to be a part of the final roster cut and might not make the team. Again, I've always suggested that he would be on the team and they move him inside. So Vinny wrote today, the first word on the cover of the Las Vegas Review-Journal is Vinny Bonsignor's column, and it's Alex Leatherwood. Those are the first two words. Alex Leatherwood and Khalif Farrell, two controversial first-round picks of John Gruden and Mike Mayock, may be playing for their roster spots against New England tonight at the 5:15 kickoff. And as we look at the players who are there and got to prove themselves, I agree. Look, I don't think Cleveland Farrell is going to be here because he just doesn't practice and he's not available. 
he's been a really good guy. The few times that I've been able to talk to him, who cares about that? But I like him. He's a monster of a man when he walks into a room. And it's just interesting that, you know, Farrell returned to practice this week after an absence, as Vinny wrote, dealing with an undisclosed injury. And his performance today could be the difference in making the team. Vinny writes the Raiders used their first three preseason games to kind of sort out the offensive line without Colton Miller. That meant a ton of experimenting. And we'll see tonight if they're going to experiment again. I would experiment again tonight. Again, because I got two weeks before the Chargers to really set this offensive line. And I believe still they're going to bring someone in after the cutdowns to 53. So whoever that player is, who's probably on another roster, might be a recognizable name or not, could be a former Patriot, someone Dave Ziegler's familiar with, whoever it is, they're going to have plenty of time to get them ready for the season because that said player is in another camp and getting all those reps and all those practices and cardio and should be in shape. Now, the Raiders aren't going to get someone to replace Leatherwood at right tackle if they don't want to go with Illuminor, who is a guy that's on the street, who hasn't played. It's going to be someone who came through camp. And I think they'll find that type of player. The rest of it, I'm holding up my Raiders versus Vikings flip card with all my notes on it for the pre- and post-game show from August 14th. So this is now from a couple of weeks ago, from August 14th, as we sit here today, and we're looking at what's going to happen on August 26th. Okay, so this is more than you know 10 days ago here as I look at this, and some of the notes that I had there, I still can't believe and we're not led to believe that Demarcus Robinson wouldn't be on that roster. So with him being gone early, right after that game, now that opens up the door for the final wide receiver spot between Tyron Johnson and the ability to carry more. If you don't go with a Stoner and you want to go with another receiver, which I think DJ Turner proved himself, Keelan Cole. So that final receiver spot, or the five and six receiver, I think is going to be on the line today in this game tonight against the New England Patriots. As we talked about the running back room, it's all quiet. It's all good to know that Josh Jacobs is the starter. Uh, You see Brandon Bolden, Kenyon Drake is gone. The future of Amir Abdullah and the fullback, uh, Johnson, who is a monster. He, He looks like he is not even a linebacker. He looks like he's Malcolm Kuntz playing fullback. He's an edge rusher. He looks like a hybrid. And the ability for them to love him to pick up pass protection and to block here. But for the rest, that interior offensive line, Lester Cotton Sr., Andre James, John Simpson, as we talked about, and will Leatherwood be a part of moving inside so we can put this to bed? I'm really pulling for the kid tonight. I hope he has a really good game. I hope he has an outstanding game tonight and plays well in a half so the decision's a lot easier for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, possibly with all of the background noise, maybe the decision's already been made. It's just a matter of time with that. If Clee Farrell doesn't make the team, that's just because he didn't live up to the number four pick overall. He wasn't available. He was injured, and he didn't pop. And the guys who don't pop from the former regime are not going to be here. And Jonathan Abrams seems like he had a really good camp. And Jonathan Abrams from that former regime in that first round with Josh Jacobs, and they seem to be important players as we move into not only this New England game tonight, but the Charger game coming up here. A couple of final thoughts. I want to thank all of our partners this week, everybody who helped us put these shows together. Just an incredible job. Thanks again. If you're going to watch the game tonight and you don't have a ticket to the game, please go to the Raiders Tavern and Grill. That's the M Resort Spawn Casino. They do an amazing job. Our good friends at Virgin Hotels, where I know a lot of Raiders, wink, wink, as I said, 
including the owner and some others, had a great dinner last night at one steak. I want to get that plug in because they were all going there after our party at the Delano last night. If you're looking for a great steak experience, one steak is great. And then next week we start off with uh, preparing our Monday night football show in a couple of weeks, which will be at Doghouse Saloon over in Resorts World. And Rich Murata in the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame is having their gala starting tonight and tomorrow. So if you're looking for some boxing fun, just go hang out in the lobby of Resorts World. Go to 8 Cigar Lounge. Go where the banquet's going to be and just sit in the lobby of Resorts World with Floyd Mayweather and like 13 or 15 former champions are going to be there. That's a great plug and a great event at Resorts World with the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. You know, last night I was in that room with my wife. And I have a son now who's a sophomore at Arizona State University, and Mike Haynes and Eric Allen were talking. And I didn't want to interrupt their conversation because they were talking about ASU, and they were in a deep dive. And then I brought my wife over, and they were so courteous because I've told them before that my son goes to school there. So as a dad now of a Sun Devil who doesn't play on the football team, we had a really good conversation. And I took a step back as those gentlemen were talking to my wife and said, how lucky am I? to see these two guys who I know, two of the all-time greats. Mike has a gold jacket. My partner, Eric Allen, has 54 career interceptions, more than anyone who's not in the Hall of Fame, and he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And just to sit down again, as I said earlier in the show, to sit down with Pete Banaszak, who's now walking with a cane, one of the toughest football players of all time, and to see him not struggling, happy and smiling, but walking with a cane, and be hanging out on the same couch with him and Mark Van Egan. And Mark Van Egan has this beautiful smile about him. So you can see generations of running backs in the room because of Mark Davis. That would be Pete Banaszak, one of the top Mount Rushmore Raider running backs in the running back room. Marcus Allen, who was unbelievable. And then to see there and to look around and see guys like Mark Van Egan cover a Sports Illustrated, getting his helmet ripped off in the 70s. It was really cool. Please be there for halftime. I'm happy to be a small part of that as more players will be on the field than ever. And I think it's going to be a great moment if you're in the stands to see what the Raiders have in store for halftime. And last thing, for six years I've hosted, uh, my first six years hosting the pre- and post-game show in Oakland, one of my partners was David Hum. And David's a former quarterback, Bishop Gorman legend, the first ever athlete inducted into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Well, David passed away years ago. And I think of him often and his family, his daughter, his brother, Tom, who works in the building with me today, right here at Lotus Broadcasting. The Hum family will light the torch over Alumni Week. And I think that is just a beautiful touch by the Raiders for David Hum and the impact that he's had not only on Las Vegas, but on the Oakland, L.A. and now Las Vegas Raiders. That really makes me feel good. Come see me at the torch. We're kicking off here at around 3.15. Q coming up next. Thanks for listening all week long to the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio.